please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. What a wonderful opportunity to be with you again. And uh, Isaiah 61. And I want to take you today through what really happens in Nazareth. And the prophetic power of God working in the life of our Lord, bringing all the information related to uh, the trip to Nazareth. It begins on Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, which is the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that abound. So the first nine verses of this chapter presents the Lord and His people as proclaiming the first and second comings. And so, I want to begin then, examine what Jesus said in Nazareth to begin with. But let's begin, let's begin on verse 15. And I'm going to use Luke. We're studying Matthew. As you, as you study Matthew, you're going to get a small version of the visit to Nazareth. But the version of Luke has more details, and it helps us to... Uh, to understand uh, exactly what's happening. And so it's Luke chapter 4, verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Meaning people were overwhelmed by the word. What makes the Holy Spirit to anoint a speaker, is it, it is the word. The, the anointing of the Holy Spirit does not fall on content that you're trying to explain other people. It falls into, the anointing falls into when you begin to explain the word. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And so you're talking about born in Bethlehem and now in Nazareth. And the idea here is that uh, he was brought up in Nazareth uh, uh, until the age of 12 and, 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 and beyond those days. And it says, and his custom was to, to teach at the synagogue. And so, teaching at the synagogue in Nazareth, was an overwhelming experience. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood for the read. It was a custom that the visitors be invited to say a word. And there was delivered unto him the book, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61, The Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, to preach the gospel to the poor, poor in spirit. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance 
to the captives. Notice that the idea here to preach deliverance to the captives is better understood not to deliver the, the captives, but to preach deliverance. There's a difference. Not to deliver the captives, but preach deliverance, which is the number one concept of how to minister to someone that has demonic activity. You don't deliver them. You preach deliverance. You speak the word upon them, and the Lord will hear them. To set liberty them who are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which was the first year of the Jubilee. Now, I want to go back then first to Isaiah 61. And I want to spend time with this scripture with you. Because it's, it's very important to understand what Jesus was saying. So before we begin to deal with uh, what happened in Nazareth, let's take a look. The first nine verses, and I'm going to read all nine in order to sort of give you uh, an overall idea. What Jesus said in the, in, in the synagogue in Nazareth is critically important to understand his ministry. So verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, and open the prison of those who are bound. That's verse 1. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to confound all who mourn, and to comfort, comfort all who mourn. Notice that, that the day of vengeance of our God is put together with, uh, with the thought of comforting those who mourn. No, notice that. Number 3, to appoint unto them who mourn in Zion. To appoint unto them who mourn in Zion. He's speaking here. Zion is, 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 the, is the stronghold of the Jebusites that David took in by the, by the well. Uh, uh, Zion is the place where Jesus will come. Uh, 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 Jesus will be in Jerusalem for a thousand years, which is the millennium. And then Jesus will come to Zion. And of course, uh, the, the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven. And eternity begins. In order to better understand that, you read Psalm 133. So appoint them who mourn into Zion. You're talking about a lot of mourning. Most of the prophets were, were, were buried into Zion. Zechariah, uh, Jeremiah, all born into Zion, buried into Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. Who them? Those men of God who born. And of course, you know, one of the things that are discussed today is the tomb of David, which now happens to be in Zion. The new discovery, the new digs in Israel point us that the tomb of David is in Zion. And of course, this coming week, uh, we're going there to take a look at that. Oil for joy, oil of joy for mourning. Twice now, to appoint them who will mount to mourn in Zion, mourning, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Twice in verse 3, mourning is sight. You see, there are a lot of saints that are dead, waiting upon the coming of Jesus for the second resurrection. And so verse 3, the Lord is speaking. The Messiah's second advent 
Zion has waste places to be rebuilt. Very important, verse 3. The governor prays for the spirit of heaviness. Announcing that the second coming of Jesus, he comes in the clouds, and the earth will split, and he'll come to the golden gate and establish the millennium. It's, it's, it's joy and fellowship and, and great feelings of uh, ecstasy and, and, and worship and praising. The governor prays for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. Who are they? Those who are buried down there in Zion waiting. And it's just, a, you know, it's just an amazing thing that Jesus would prophesy in, in Nazareth such a thing like that. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Beauty refers to the nuptial crown. The church meeting. The groom, Jesus Christ, the Lord of life. Isn't that wonderful? The wood ashes here placed upon the head expresses mourning. You see, there's a lot of mourning in Zion. A lot of people that uh, are buried there. If you look at Zion, the cemetery uh, in Zion, which is right, right 50 feet from Zion, if thousands of people are buried there. The trees in this verse are the redeemed in Isaiah 60:21. It should be noticed that no praise is given to the beautiful trees, but all praise will be given to the one who planted it, Jesus Christ. And the trees here symbolizes people that have served the Lord for so long. People who have been blessed the millions of people in worship and praise and and, and preachers, and missionaries, and oh my goodness gracious. When you read this verse 3, you begin to realize that God is blessing those who call, continue to worship, and to praise Him, and to give Him glory. We're in Athens, Georgia, and uh, we're helping in Mount Bethel, uh, in Atlanta, and what a privilege to meet uh, this very large and populous church, and to pray for them on Sunday mornings. And, uh, and uh, as I travel to the, all these trips, mission trips, as I uh, 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 go to Cuba, go to Peru, uh, go to uh, Brazil, uh, uh, a lot of people die in the next 10 years. But in that glorious day, we're going to meet together uh, at, uh, at Mount Zion. All of this will come to Israel on that glad day, which in fact it could have had 2,000 years ago if they had accepted Christ, but they rejected. But on that day when Mount Zion is visited by the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, there's no way to get back anymore. The numbers are set and eternity begins with Jesus. Verse 4. I told you nine verses. Verse 4. And they shall build the old wastes Now, what is this old wastes? In the third line, he refers to predict the rebuilding of the desert cities. In the second and fourth line, to foretell the fertility of the desolated fields. And so, in, during the millennium, the desolated places that have been uh, wasted, been destroyed, 
are going to be rebuilt. So you probably say, what Jesus is going to do during the millennium, a thousand years in Jerusalem, you know. That is why we go to Jerusalem, because we want to be there, because we belong to Jerusalem. We are going to be in Jerusalem. When the second coming, when Jesus comes in the clouds of glory, with all the saints in heaven, we're going to populate Israel and rebuild. Rebuild what? The temple. Rebuild the ruins. You know, Jerusalem, it's a place filled with ruins. I mean, he's talking about rock upon rock upon rock upon rock. And we, the Christians of the 21st century that are in the Lord, and the Christians of the, 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 the third century and fourth century, the Christians that uh, put the Bible together, we are going to build and rebuild Jerusalem. All the buildings that are destroyed are going to be rebuilt. The walls are going to be rebuilt. Amen. They shall repair the waste cities in desolations of many generations. Such of this speaks of the coming kingdom age. It's a little literal and material sense, but even more to speak, to, so it speaks of the spiritual rejuvenation that takes place in the hearts and lives of believers. He's not only going to build the, the, the cities, you know, Joppa, Tel Aviv, uh, uh, the Lake of Galilee, the ruins of Capernaum, Bethsaida, Chorazin, going down to all the small villages, everything, every, every, everything that's been destroyed. You know, uh, uh, Caesarea by the sea, Caesarea Philippi. It's going to be rebuilt. It's going to be a glorious time in which these uh, uh, desolated cities, the word built and raised and repair is used to signify the material resurgence, but even more to that, the spiritual renewal of the life of the believer. So not only the land and the cities are going to be rebuilt, but the Christians. You see, the millennium is not a time to sit around and just do nothing. The millennium, the thousand years, is because Jesus comes to the earth with all the saints in heaven after the tribulation, and he will rebuild the cities, and he will rebuild the Christians. Meaning, I'm going to be rebuilt spiritually. I'm going to be singing and rejoicing and praising the Lord. I'm going to just continue to worship and praise Him. And so I'm just saying to you that those of you who's got life in you, some of you are running away. You don't want to preach anymore. You don't want to worship anymore. You don't want to some be involved in the battle of warfare and worship. I mean, a lot of people from our ministry are taken off. They're just tired of it. The words waste and desolation categorize the unbeliever. Verse 5. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen of your vine dressers. So to the proud nations of the past and present, Egypt, Iraq, it was and is a degradation to be associated thus with the Jew. But in the future, it will be an honor, but only because of Israel's acceptance of Jesus. Now, is Israel then coming to receive Jesus? Yes, he will. Notice that uh, Israel or, or, or Jerusalem is divided in, five, in four sectors. The Armenian area, the Jewish area, 
the Christian area and the Arab area. It's, it's divided into four. One, two, three, four. It's divided into four. At the coming of Jesus in that second glorious day in which the battle of Armageddon is about to engulf the remnant of Israel, as he comes to the golden gate, he will look at the, not that the others, the Armenians are, <laughs> are joining the Jewish. Now the problem is the Arabs and the Jew will now come together and uh, uh, love each other, but they have to bow before Jesus. Because Jesus is coming not to just talk about how to get along, but to be received as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And in that, in that meeting, as he blows out of his mouth, <clears throat> the battle of Armageddon takes place. And in front of him, there will be the remnants of the country of Israel, all the Jews left in the world. They're coming from all over the place. They will be before the Lord, bowing down. They are now part of eternity. Mm. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just can't, I can't see the, the millions, thousands of people, six million Jewish people. Three million died on the Armageddon battle. Only, only, only three million are left. And there's billions standing above the city of Jerusalem. The lightning, the thunder, the skies are bright with glory and hosannas in praise. And the Lord comes. And that great white horse. And the ties are in Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And he stands his hand upon, upon the Jewish quarter. And there is the Jewish bowing down before the Lord. Oh, what a day that will be. Oh, what a day that will be. So Zion is where you prepare yourself to travel forever into the super light speed of eternity that uh, is forever and ever, forever and ever with Jesus in heaven. When you died in Jesus, you belong to heaven. And it says, so the proud nations of the past and present, it was and is a degradation to be associated thus with the Jew. But in the future, Israel is going to be accepting the Lord Jesus. And it's a new day. You don't have to have a passport to get in anymore. You don't have to have an American passport to get in Israel. The Holy of Holies, Jesus Christ, the Lord of life, will bring you in into the golden gate and whap, take it over the city. Verse 6. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. <laughs> oh, I tell you. You know, uh, you know, I <laughs> you shall be named the priests of the Lord. <laughs> What do you mean? You mean that every Christian that is listening to me this very moment, every single pastor that is listening to me this very moment, every single church member that is listening to me this very moment, you will be a priest of the Lord. What do you mean by that? You've got to have a job. You're going to rebuild the cities. You're going to rebuild the kingdom. You're going to be ministered. But on verse, on verse, uh, on verse 6, it, it's really powerful. It says, men shall call you the ministers of our God. Who are they? Those saved by grace. Those empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. 
Now, I don't know where you are in terms of your relationship with Jesus, but you should by now be empowered by the Holy Spirit. How can you take care of the kingdom things when you don't receive the Holy Spirit the way it's supposed to? When Jesus came to John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit came from heaven upon the head of Jesus, Jesus said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. Nothing like a little cup of coffee. Talking to the ministers of the Lord in Mount Zion. Hallelujah. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. And they're passing by John Freeland, a minister of our God, John Freeland. That passes by Dr. Jody Ray, the minister of our God, passing by. Let me ask you this. Are you in that place for eternity? Listen to the next line. You, you, talking about the priests and the ministers, you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. <laughs> you know, when I read that this morning, I was thinking to myself, picanha, filet mignon, ponta del cadera, oh, Lord Jesus, that sweet beef that sits on the grill and smells that aroma that just comes up to your nostrils and a little bit of mashed potato with a little freezing fragrance. That's what Andy said. <laughs> and so, all of us have the opportunity. Now, how do you count yourself as a minister? If you haven't quit it. If you haven't run away to mama. If you not have... Give up on life. Give up on preaching. Give up on the call of God. Oh, I have sinned against God. So, so does everybody have sinned. But sin will not win my soul, and I will give God my blood, my voice, my heart until I drop dead, because it is life to me. I will want to be called a minister of the Lord in the day of Mount Zion. And I want to eat the rich of the Gentiles. You know, the rich of the Gentiles means uh, 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 all that food of the Arab food. You know, you know, you know what it is. Uh, the Arab food eat a lamb. You cook, you cook that lamb on the grill, and you put that little green jelly on top of it. And oh my, oh my goodness gracious, alive, Lord! <laughs> you know, uh, I'm about to cook a meal just for me to eat, but I have to invite some friends because I don't know how to cook. My problem is I'm totally ignorant how to cook. I'm afraid I'm going to burn the whole. Condominium. Now, you shall eat of the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast yourselves. Now, what is the glory of the Gentiles? The glory of the Gentiles is the large buildings of New York, the large cities of the world, Mumbai, 
the large buildings that reach to the skies all over the Middle East, gold and silver and rubies, plenty. The fanciest three hundred thousand dollar to a million, two million dollar cars, all of the riches of the Gentiles will be at your feet. In that day of restoration, the entire nation of Israel will be a nation of priests and ministers and will act as such in relation to God in the inhabited world. Actually, what God intended for Israel to be at the beginning, they shall now be. Exodus 19.6 I want to read this scripture to you because Genesis ex- Exodus is, is 19.6. Remember that? Exodus 19.6. Just one second now. Hold on your horses now. Don't, don't leave me now. 19.6. 19.6 says this. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Woo, hallelujah. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. And so, when Isaiah is prophesying this, he's, he's simply saying is that Israel will be a nation of priests and ministers. Actually, what God intended for Israel in the beginning. In, in, in brief, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel proclaims this in the last nine chapters of his book. The last nine chapters of Ezekiel talks only about the glory of God in, in, the, in, in, in the priests and the, in the ministers of the gospel. The last nine chapters of Ezekiel deal with this subject. You, you might like to read it someday. Now, let's go to verse 7. Are you getting somewhere here? Are, we, uh, are you staying with me? Are you getting some out of this? So say something now. Send me a, a, a text, an email. Amen. Send me a text at uh, 706-353-1546. Now, verse, verse 7. For your shame, you shall have double. And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. What is for your shame, you shall have double? The double is an important thing. Meaning that that which you are ashamed of, that which you're embarrassed to have done in your life, the sins that you remember and feel ashamed of it, uh, will be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. In ancient times, if someone in Israel went bankrupt, they were to list all their indebtedness on a skin of an animal and post somewhere in the, in, in the crossroads of the city. And have it posted in a conspicuous place for all to see. At times a wealthy benefactor would come to the rescue and pay all the indebtedness. He would take down the skin, double over, hence hiding all the indebtedness, and then write his name on the front, bang, bang, and put it back there. He would post it as well in a conspicuous place so that all could see that he made the payment. Listen to this. When Jesus died on the cross, he atoned for all sin. Upon faith in him, 
He took down the list of all our sins. Doubled it over. Where these sins could no longer be seen. And wrote his name on the front. Meaning that all the indebtedness was settled. Therefore every single believer in the world has the privilege of possessing the double. This is what Isaiah was saying. Are you with me now? For your shame you shall have double. I have two more verses and I don't have the time. I want to pray for you. I've got a minute and 39 seconds. Say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you. But you took my sin and you doubled a piece of skin where my sins were written down and you post it and you said, pay by Jesus Christ. Therefore, God, my future, my life cannot be living the past instead of praising for the future. My life cannot be looking back what has happened in the past, but I want to go forward with my life because I paid a double. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, have mercy upon me, Lord. Thank you for the double. 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 Thank you for doubling it and put your name on top of it and post it for the whole world to see that all my sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. In his precious name, I pray and I believe.